Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intercasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com. Where Out of Print is available again, they have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell back your old gaming products you aren't using anymore. Let's hear a quick word from them. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even Saturday. Noble Knight is a brick-and-mortar game store. Support small businesses. That also exists online. Open 24-7 on the web. They have D&D and other cool RPGs. Any edition, any game. In out of print products and at a discounted price that's out of control have a bunch of old game products collecting dust dangerous allergens noble light will buy the old stuff you aren't using anymore looking at you indiana jones rpg so go to noblenight.com and get by it and sell it take back your life and tell them the tone show sent you And we're back. Today, we're going to be talking about a serious topic, sexual harassment at the game table. I wanted to take the time now to give folks a quick trigger warning. We're going to be sharing stories about GMs abusing power at the table and forcing PCs to perform sexual acts and other acts of harassment. So if you've got kids or aren't interested in hearing about it, that's cool. Go ahead and switch off the podcast. Let's meet the panel. With me today at the round table are Tracy Hurley. Hello. Liz Larson. Hi. And Barak Blackburn. Hey, everybody. All right, guys. And why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves to the people out there? Tracy, we'll start with you. Hi. Uh, well, I'm a co-host on The Tome Show. I also have a blog called stereodarkmagic.com, and I've written for a few gaming companies. Great. And we're very happy to have you on today, Tracy. Uh, Liz, what are yeah. your credentials? Um, well, I'm... I've been playing tabletop RPGs since I was 12 years old. I play story games, OSR games, and um, more modern stuff. Um, I'm a transgender woman, and I live in Denton, Texas, with my wife and three kids. Awesome. We're very happy to have you on the show as well, Liz. And uh, Barak, how about you? What are your credentials? Uh, I love role-playing games. I've written a couple games and supplements for various companies, mainly Spectrum Games. Uh, I'm also part of a website, actsofgeek.com, where we do podcasts as well, and I have regular blog posts, and uh, we actually had a preview of the Player's Handbook about a week before it came out. So there's lots of fun stuff happening over there as well. Uh I'm very jealous of that preview of the Player's Handbook. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we'll be getting the Monster Manual and DMG too. So, uh, you know, stay tuned and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated. Great. Guys, today we're going to talk about an article, actually, that came out on Vice.com. And the name of the article is a little incendiary to begin with. It's hashtag not all role players, a history of rapey dungeon masters. And essentially, uh, the author of this article goes on to share an experience about a woman at the table who had rejected the advances of her DM. And then the next week at the game table, her character was forced 
into a sexual situation with an NPC. And uh, she quit the game and was obviously very upset about this. Uh, And then he goes on to describe sort of a history of this happening throughout. And he even talks about, he he quotes some things from Gary Gygax uh, about women not being interested in the game and... Uh, you know, it really being a game for men because women are not going to derive the same inner satisfaction from playing games as men do. Um, it was a, an interesting article for me. I've never played in a group with any sort of thing like this happening, uh, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. So I wanted to bring people on to talk about it because Vice is a big news outlet, and I thought it was really interesting that they were releasing this now. They go on to say that some things have changed, you know, that more women are playing the game than were when D&D first came out. Uh, But it sounds like things are still, like most places in the world, uh, not equal for women. Um, So the first thing I want to talk about is I think it might be good to lay cards on the table. Have you guys had any experience with sexual harassment at the game table? And if so, how did you handle it? Uh, Tracy, let's start with you. Um, So I didn't handle it well, but I did kind of have one. I would invited a woman I knew to join our group. Uh, one of the other guys in the group uh, decided like that he liked her. Um, he tried to get her to uh, talk to him, to go out with him. And she'd kind of, there, a lot of times, not everyone, but some women feel uh, like they can't just say no. So mm-hmm. she was just kind of giving him the cold shoulder sort of thing. And then he even called me at work, at work to try to see if, if I could talk to her to find out if she was interested, um, wasn't a great situation. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and it was hard cause like when he talked about it, uh, he just doesn't necessarily have a lot of experience with this. So it was kind of like, I thought maybe you brought her for me, like, or like, is she dating anyone or <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he's not, I always feel bad because, like, I don't want to make him sound like a monster or anything, but it was a uncom- very uncomfortable situation. Sure, sure. And it seems obvious that you brought her for her, that you, yeah. you thought maybe she would derive enjoyment from the game, not so you could introduce them and have them date. Yeah, um, she had played cool. uh, she had played D&D for a very long time, so, uh, and she was very interested in joining the game. Liz, how about you? Have you ever experienced harassment at the game table? Nothing that was anything beyond just kind of awkward. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, I've started, you know, making an upfront table rule that PCs don't hit on PCs unless um, unless the players talk about it with the DM and all three get permission first. Um, try to preempt awkwardness. But I mean, there's been some situations that have been because when you're role playing, you can maybe push things a little bit past someone's comfort zone but not too far that it like is worth bringing up, but it's still awkward. So sure. Sure. I understand. And did you have to institute that rule because you did have unwanted PCs hitting on PCs? Um, I mean, there were a couple of awkward situations, but nothing that I would border on harassment. Uh, how about you, Barak? I haven't personally experienced any sexual harassment at the table. I've had friends tell me some horror stories, but what, what I took away from the article and, and sort of I, I tend to like to step back and play devil's advocate as it were, not devil's advocate, but sort of see the bigger picture. And I have been in situations that have made me uncomfortable. 
as a as a, a a gamer, you know, someone whether I'm joining a group that's been playing together for years, and you know, they just you know didn't sort of embrace me or embrace what I was trying to do. And I, I've been in situations that I, I haven't enjoyed. Certainly, nothing to the degree of sexual harassment. But I tend to look at it as a bigger issue of there are times at a table where where things might happen that that might make you uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Uh, what's your method of handling when something comes up at the table and makes you uncomfortable? Well, again, these are, you know, we're, we're going back years for this. Uh, I tend to run games now. Uh, and I, I've had people that have sort of dropped out of my games. Uh, and, and I'm not quite exactly sure why. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to say that it was because of sexual harassment. I think, you know, I tend to run a game the way I run a game. And I think this person, you know, they also, they lived like an hour away. Um, you know, and I've communicated with this person since then and, you know, said, Hey, here's what's going on in the game. And this, and, you know, we've, we've had nice discussions back and forth. Um, but, you know, it, when I was a player and sort of entering these games and I, I just felt kind of like an outsider, like I was doing something differently than everyone else. And, you know, I wasn't at a, a place where, you know, I had a lot of options and I just kind of was like, I, I've had enough. I don't need to play anymore. And I would, you know, uh, this was, you know, probably before email, I would get in touch with that person and say, I'm just not going to make it anymore or whatever. And and that was that. Like, it was a choice I made to say, you know, this isn't something I want to do. And, and it was it. And that was that. Sure. Yeah. I think sometimes you do have to walk away from the table. That makes a lot of sense. But I also feel like if there's a, a even a subculture of gamer culture that's making people feel excluded, that is a big issue and up- upsetting. You know, you don't want people to always have to walk away, particularly if you're at maybe a con or something like that, I think can be a big issue. Well, I I, I shared with you a story about a convention. It's not my story. It's a story of a friend of mine. And this was at Gen Con. So the biggest game convention, at least in the United States. I know some of the ones in Germany get significantly larger. And he sat down to play this game. And they were told that all the player characters had been polymorphed into the bodies of 12-year-old boys. And they were all wearing nothing but loincloths. And the enemy, the big bad, was an evil wizard called the Boy Maker. And my friend, I think, stayed for about 15 minutes and excused himself and never returned to the table. So, you know, that's a situation where he felt very uncomfortable and just yeah. said, you know, and, and, and you know, maybe the other people were there to enjoy it. Like everyone has sort of different, you know, thresholds of what they're comfortable with. Um, and I, I played in a Monster Hearts game. Has anyone played that? I know about it, but I haven't played it. So I, I, I was introduced to the game last year at Gen Con, and it, Monster Hearts is a game that sex is very much part of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the person running the game, the MC they're called, we'll call them the GM for sake of simplicity, put it, took an index card out and took a Sharpie and wrote a big X on it and said, if anything in the game makes you uncomfortable, you touch the X and we will move on. No questions asked, nothing like it's it and that's that. And that seemed to be a fair way to do it because some people may want to go a certain degree and some people may not want to go a certain degree. And he said, whatever it is, you, t- you just touch the X and that's it. Now, granted, that takes the courage to touch that X if everyone else is having fun and you're not. But I think it's a decent solution, especially at a convention where you don't know where things are going to go and you don't know the people you're playing with. That's very interesting. Uh, Tracy, what do you think about uh, bringing 
sort of sex and love and that sort of thing into the role playing into role playing games. Do you think that that's okay if everybody at the table agrees that that's okay? And do you think it's easy to speak up if you feel like you're the lone voice? Um, well, I mean, it, a lot of it depends. Uh, convention games can be a little more difficult sure. in some ways than like your your weekly table table or however however often but i think the x card is a great way of of dealing with it the the card that was just described mm-hmm. um i don't mind uh sex romance whatever in my games as long as everyone consents sure. i've had some definitely pretty raucous games <laughs> uh at my first gen con i ran a co-ed bachelor party game at hooters so you know, it all depends on the group. So, <laughs> wow, that is certainly a raucous time. But there, there's a situation of everybody agreeing that hey, this is okay. Um, and it sounds like in this article that we're reading that there are times it's not okay. And you know, the situation the author describes, it sounds like this woman had tried to get out of it, and the the DM really abused his power and was able to, you know, sort of force the issue. Um, And she didn't feel comfortable walking away. She didn't feel comfortable going through with it. Liz, what do you think? Do you think there's a place at the table for love and romance and sex and stuff, uh, provided that everyone at the table is okay with it? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as the, the, the key point is to be able to separate characters from players in this sense, you know, all the players have to agree. Like I touched on earlier I, I started implementing the no pc on pc you know it doesn't even start getting awkward before everybody can sense to it yeah it's a good general rule that everybody knows knows what's gonna what the, what the basic social consensus of the table is yeah it sounds like uh, it's, we're all sort of in agreement that you should talk beforehand that if you know that you should lay down some ground rules talk beforehand and let people know that hey if you're not cool with it, let us know, and we'll we'll you know move on. Well, I think I, that's important. I, I I think there is a, a a not a difference, but your home group is different than a convention game. And and again, I don't know about this bachelor party game, but if it was sort of uh, implicitly stated that like, hey, this is going to be a, a raucous good time, and we will be discussing adult themes. Then everyone shows up at the table knowing what's going to happen. And they may not know everything that's going to happen, but they're there with an idea. You know, you, you're going to see something. My home group, uh, I have implicit trust in them and they have implicit trust in me. And uh, I don't necessarily need to to ask permission, nor do they need to ask permission. And, and one of my friends who plays plays in another group and her and another friend of mine, their characters in a romance. And I don't think they talked about it. I think it just happened in the game. But they're both... They, they've known each other for years and they're both married and, and everything's fine. They're seasoned role players and so they know what to expect. And I think, you know, the key with anything is to sort of to know if you're, if it's your home group to have an idea of what your players are going to be like. And at a convention, I think that's a strength as well to sort of know what people are going to groove on. And I, I've run games at, you know, two characters over here were having their little side thing and doing their thing and having a great time. And I knew that they were happy with that. And this other group over here, I kept them occupied with something else. So I I think that's a great skill, sort of, you know, the the ability to know your table. 
cool. Well, then let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, he goes on to describe the history of women in gaming, uh, particularly with D&D. And uh, the author of this article pulls out the Harlot Random Encounters table. And then he goes on to say, surveys at the time pegged the number of female players somewhere between 0.4 and 2.3%. He goes on to say that in 2000, 20% of all D&D players were women, which is still a small number, but obviously a a larger number than 0.4%. So I am wondering, obviously, uh, things have gotten better. Women feel more welcome into the game. I think that that's a really good thing. And I think it's great that we are seeing a lot of different people play this game because the more people that play it, the better it is for everybody because then Wizards of the Coast stays in business and continues to make wonderful products for us. Not to mention it's what's right and what's fair in the world. So uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you guys. What do you think would help continue to push it forward to sort of get even more women interested and in playing the game? Um, you know, is is there some sort of barrier to entry that uh, we're not aware of? Um, and Liz, let's start with you. I mean, just invite women to play games with you, I guess is the main, it's the main thing. I sure. mean, try to recruit. I, I was a very recruitment-oriented RPG nerd as, as a teen. Like, I tried to get all of my friends, everyone that I could meet to play the game. I think I think playing TNT is an experience every every person in this country should have. You know, just like even if it's just like a casual friend game or whatever. But Amen. It's okay if you did like an all girls game, you know, and to to like um you know, it's I mean, intent, intentionally include um people that way would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think asking is, is a great way to begin. Uh, and Tracy, what are your thoughts? Well, so I definitely agree with the asking and also just trying to understand uh, the, like just talking, if you, if there's a woman that you want to have play and uh, she says no at first, as long as you're not pestering her too much, like just say like, well, you know, hey, you know, what is it? What, you know, what, are you worried about anything? Have you heard stories? Because like I have definitely heard stories very similar to uh, the first one in the article before I even started playing. So, you know, and then and try to um, address those fears if they have any. Like, don't assume that they do, but if they do, then try to address them. Like, no, we're not going to have. Uh, that's not going to happen to your character in my game, <laughs> or <laughs> or you know, uh, hey, if we can get a couple of uh, all, fe- we could have an all female game if you're worried about. Uh, attention that you don't want or something like that yeah you know i think that is true i've been trying to get my girlfriend of three and a half years to play uh for for a little bit on and off you know i try to persuade her to to play a game and um i think for the first time i finally hit on it when i told her like hey do you want to play like some other women are going to join in and she was like oh yeah i would consider that and i was like oh yeah don't be a dope like she doesn't necessarily (laughs) want to come out with me and people who are all my friends who i've been playing with since college you know she wants to come out and play with some people who are like-minded and it's not going to feel like a guy's party so uh and I'm surprised it took me three years to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a it's a human psychology thing that people look for signs that they're welcome. Uh, they did this a lot with uh, in tech, uh, trying to understand 
uh, if even the interview environment could send signals to women that they weren't welcome. And they found that, unfortunately, uh, environments that had a lot of very uh, geeky identified stuff uh, tended to send a signal that women weren't welcome to, and they had, uh, the women didn't respond as well. And that makes me worried. Cause like, you know, throughout history, the geeks have been marginal. What are we doing guys? What are, you know, what are men geek doing, <laughs> uh, to marginalize others when they have been so marginalized themselves? But I guess you need look no further than the Dungeons and Dragons edition wars to, to know that, uh, Geeks get very passionate and are good at marginalizing each other um, better than <laughs> better than others are sometimes at marginalizing them. So when I, I read this article and, and you forwarded it on to me, and, I, and I'd seen the article before, um, I had some issues with the article, and I don't know if anyone else did. No, I, that's I feel the next question. Go for it. I, I think the article made a lot of generalizations, and the generalizations the article made, I don't think, are helping the cause at all. Like the article is trying to to do something positive, but to, um, you know, the worst stereotypes of other players, a bunch of neck beards with glandular problems. And then, you know, further down, they refer to, uh, you know, isn't it teenage boy wish fulfillment? I, I, I don't know if that's the exact term. And then they refer to Gary Gygax as a high school dropout and a gun nut. Like, why are those things relevant at all? Like, if you're trying to sort of say that women should be able to play games, and then you're in the same article saying that the people that play games have neck beards and glandular problems, and that the game is uh, teenage wish fulfillment, that's not helping the cause, I, I don't think, in any way, shape, or form. And I, and I wonder what... Like the research this person did was awesome, like about the, you know, these old studies and the dissertations and stuff that they discovered. But I feel that they were coming at it with, I don't know if they had an ax to grind or if they were whatever, but I, I felt that that was not helping the case at all. I, for, for the past five years, I have run my, my house game has been primarily women and most of the time it's been nothing but women. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, and and I have theories on that, and we could you know go into discussions about you know you were going to ask what how to get more women to play games, and there's the whole story game angle. There's you know did vampire introduce people to gaming? Do do women want to play D and D? That want to play a different game, but they're people. But when you are talking about people, and then you say oh it's teenage wish fulfillment, and everyone has glandular problems and neck beards. Now I've been to Gen Con. I don't know if other people have been to Gen Con. It, yes, we can make stereotypical comments about people. But let's look past that and let's look at them as people. And, and let's, you know, if someone sits down at my table, I'm not going to judge them for what they are. I'm going to say, all right, let's, let's have some fun and let's see what you bring to the table and, and let's go from there. Like if I judged everyone on appearance, if I was judged on appearance, it would be a different world. Like, and, and I want women to come play my game at the games I ran last year at Gen Con. I had more women than men. Is that because of the types of games I'm running? They don't know me, but the genre of game I was running perhaps. And, and I just think... Like this article seems to be pointing people in a certain direction, but it, it, it has a certain bias as well. I mean, I was just gonna say, of course it has a bias. He's part of the story too. Is part is part of what's going on, I think, in this article. I mean, he was a player in this game. And oh, sure. I, yeah, no so I just I I I understand the, the problems with the talking about the stereotypes and everything. Cause he even kind of stereotypes uh Lucy a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh but Sometimes the problem is is that when this suddenly gets revealed that this sort of thing is happening, that's how a fair number of guys I've seen react. Like they just they want to just smash. 
and and I agree that sometimes it always it doesn't always help, right? Because they're just smashing things. <laughs> <laughs> but I could, I, and, I, and I don't know for sure, but I could totally see this author writing this, uh, doing all the research because he because he was very upset, and I think that does come through. No, it, it does. And and so one thing I was thinking, and I don't know if anyone thought, so if I was in this game that they were describing, and, and here's my friend Lucy, and there's this dude in town, and he's basically saying, if you have sex with me, I'll give you the information you want. And if, if it's becoming, I, I as a character would say, well, I'm going to kill that guy. And I would, I would kill him in game. And then if he was miraculously reincarnated or re, like, uh, uh, yes. You know, this person did ask this other person out, but people ask each other out. They work together, they game together. I mean, it, it happens. And I guess I look at it and say, well, we'll solve. And I'm not, I, I don't want to diminish Lucy's feelings, but I also look at it as like, well, let's kill this guy. If if truly they're feeling that bad, just kill the character. You can kill people in D&D. And if it comes up and then there's another character with beautiful flaming red hair, and then you could just be like, I've had enough. I'm out. Like, I, I, this isn't it. But maybe, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to take the side of Jason, the, Jason the Game Master. But just to say, like, you know, you, you, can, you can attempt to solve this problem. And I, 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 if you feel uncomfortable, again, hit that X, get away, walk up away from the table. But I also, I tend to look at it like, uh, I don't know what this person was trying to do. I'm hearing a very one-sided story of a situation, and I'm not diminishing Lucy's feelings in any way, but I also look at it and say, again, if you feel uncomfortable, leave. John Wick, the game designer, says, if you don't like the group of people you're gaming with, find a different group of people to game with. Well, and that's what they did. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The moment it crossed the line is when an NPC asks a player character if they wanted to have sex with them or told them that they needed to have sex with them. The moment that those words came out of the DM's mouth, that just went way far over the line. If the players and the DM had not communicated that that would be part of the game at all. Yeah. yeah. And I think it sounds like at first there was, the response was no. And then the issue was continued to be pressed too, you know? Um, and, and I think, I think it is hard. And I do think you're, you know, I agree with you in some ways that, yeah, they should have walked away, but at the same time, like D and D is supposed to be a game where the PCs can do, you know, sort of what they want um and and to be forced into the situation where like you either need to kill a guy or have sex with him is is not a comfortable situation to be in and you also have that pressure on of like if i get up and storm out of here it's going to ruin this game for these other people too particularly in a home group because it's not like it's not like you just be like oh phone call gotta go don't know you guys see it like you're definitely making a, a huge statement that you have to be willing to accept afterwards yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, I, I do agree with you, and I, I, I'm not... Like, honestly, I don't really even care what Jason's side of the story is, since that we he's probably not going to actually get any uh, feedback in his life from this. Oh, sure. I, I, I think you're probably right, but I, 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 I would step back and say I think that's a lot of DMs. I mean, I've, I've, I don't know about you guys, I've played with a lot of terrible game masters over yeah. the years. You know, people who, you know... They, they have their, their pet NPCs, they have their significant others playing, and they get to run three-player characters, and they have the best magic items. I, I, you know, and these are very small things, but I, I, you know, there's, there's tons of terrible game masters out there. There's tons of terrible players out there, but they're fine for each other. 
You know, like you have to find the group that you work with. Like, you know, some groups just want to go and bash things and, and kill stuff and take their treasure. I, you know, I've run games where we've had four or five sessions in a row where we roll no dice, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know people say that, but truly that's, that's happened. You know what I mean? My game is, is the game I run is not necessarily based on this or that, but I also have a character in my game who uh, has, you know, a, <clears throat> a big, you know, her, her costume shows her breast off like power girl. And that is part of the game. And, you know, we accept it for what it is. So, you know, it, you know, it, it's a difficult one. And I agree with you that, you know, especially at a convention, you should feel welcome, but you have, you, you have free will to, to go somewhere. And this, this dude sounds like a jerk and, you know, but, <laughs> but I think it goes beyond being a jerk. I, I, I don't think this is a hard one. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not defending him. I'm, but what I'm saying is that like, you know, he sounds like a not good, you know, and I don't know why you'd want to play with someone who's not a good DM. This isn't a, this isn't a bad DM issue. It's a sexual harassment issue, though. Yeah. If you, if if the players did not agree to have sexual content in the game before the game started, um, or there was a conversation in which it was okay to include um, content like that, then then the DM crossed the line by even saying it in the first place. It's not a matter of just getting up and leaving the table. Sure, and I think it is. You know. Uh, you know, Barak, you're you like you said, you know your players well, you know, mm-hmm. and you're very upfront about, you know, this is going to be a game with adult themes. If you want to come, this is going to be a game where we just have a dungeon crawl. So if you're not into that, don't come, you know, and, and when Tracy was talking about the bachelor party, uh, I that also makes sense. Like, hey, this is a game and we're going to be playing at Hooters and it's going to be bachelor party. Like, you know, I, I feel like all your cards are on the table. I do feel like when the when you're playing one kind of game and then the next session something happens that is totally out of there out of the blue um you know that that isn't in line with what you're doing you know I agree with you Liz that the line has been crossed then and um you know it it's not on uh Lucy it's not on Lucy to be the one it's on Jason the DM there but I also agree that there he does do a ton of generalizing about neckbeards and things like that. And I do think that if there were people reading this who were thinking about getting into the hobby, this would probably just the headline, you know, about rapey dungeon masters might turn you off. Um, well, well, and what if, if again, this is a person who's getting paid to write for a living. I, I've I wrote a role playing game. It's the best selling product for my company and I've made tens of dollars. So take yeah. take of that what you will. But they they say in a paragraph it's a game without limits you know and and again i'm not disagreeing that sexual content but i don't know when this person stepped into the game i don't know if there was other sexual content in the game i don't i, I guess i would so ask what? This, well I let, mean, what, 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 let me let me ask this have you guys had sexual content in your games and was it discussed beforehand uh any sort of sexual content that has happened in in our game like my home game has been discussed beforehand yes okay yeah, mine too. Okay. Uh, mine hasn't always, but that doesn't matter here. Like, I don't, I don't understand why you think that even matters. I mean, because like, if you read the story, they, it was during the session that the the writer and his wife, who is like, I think the only other woman at the table, missed that the guy decided to do this. Yeah, I mean, when you, I mean, it's why we have movie ratings. You know, if he's 
it's um, so you can get an idea of the content of the game. If you sit down with a bunch of people at a game table, there, there's, you know, there has to be a, a consensus about what kind of topics are okay. I mean, would you include sex in a, um, you know, say, I mean, think about it along a different axis and maybe it'll make more sense. Like say it's that scenario you mentioned earlier, say it's a 60 year old man and at a table with 20 year old um, players, male players, and it gets a little awkward. Like a 60 year old man, let's, let's, let's say he was um, a gay man was putting sexual content in a game for people that much younger than him that may not have an idea of what he's trying to do. That's crossing a line. If everybody there doesn't, and understand what they're getting into from the beginning, right? Yeah, I, 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 in terms of a convention game, I think you always have to sort of go kind of low key, and and you know, I mean, if you're playing D and D, likely things are going to get killed. You know, like that's you have to sort of establish that as a baseline. Like if you have you know an issue with killing, D and D is not not the best not the best game for you. You know, if you're like yeah. I don't I don't want to kill things. You know, so we've established that killing's okay. And, you know, but what I, I, you know, I tend to run, you know, my games tend to be sort of silly and fun. Um, so, you know, and I try and, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't, I had a nine year old kid playing a game last year. So I can't really go too far with that, even though his dad's like, no, no, he's super mature. I'm like, no, no I'm really, you know, right. like, we're, we're, we're not going there. Like, you know, and, and, um, I, again, I'm not, I, but it's, I'm not, it's not a fantasy violence isn't the same thing as, as sexual harassment though. There's a clear line between the topics at hand. And this is, I mean, if you look at any stats and numbers, cause we all like stats and numbers, um, you'll, you'll see that, you know, women are most at risk for sexual harassment by far. So you may not see it as much of an issue just, just because you don't have, you don't live in a world where that sort of constant, um, tension about feeling potentially sexually harassed. You know, I'm a transgender woman. I go to the gas station. I can't walk in without checking and seeing who all is in the room, what time of night it is, you know, mm-hmm. um, if it's well lit. I, I mean, those are things that, that as a, as a trans woman and also and any woman is going to feel to a greater extreme than men, just, just because of the culture we live in. And um, so I think it's important to be extra respectful and defer to women when it comes to issues like this kind of sexual harassment. And that's my opinion. Could that not be said for pretty much anything? Uh, and I, and again, not to sort of, but you know, I mean, you, you have to sort of play nice with people in the world, you know, and you have to sort of, you know. What? No, no. I, hear me out. Like, I'm not going to bring whatever my uh, political viewpoints are to the table. You know, I'm not going to bring, you know, whatever I'm, you know, sort of whatever axe to grind I might have with, you know, uh, something or other. Like, it's a fantasy game. Like, we're we're doing things and I'm trying to tell a story and we're trying to tell a story together. Sure. All stories are political, though. Like, uh, yeah, there's going to be a political subtext to any sort of narrative based on the, the viewer, the experiencer. You can't disconnect D&D reality from player reality. It's all because the players are the filter that experiences the whole shared imagined space. So even if it's realistic to role play a character that would rape someone, it's not the right thing to do playing that game to role play the character to do that without getting the consent of the everyone at the table 
that are the real human beings involved in, in partaking that in that shared space. So uh, the, this Monster Heart game I played in, which again, this is the first time I'd played, and actually there was no sexual content in the game. Things went a different direction. But one of the players at the table said, you know, when the guy talked about the X, one of the players said, can we just take rape off the table? And what shocked me was that there was a table where rape was on the table, that there was a group of people where rape was on the table. Like that to me is like, you know, that was sort of startling to me. And the fact that you would have to say, can we, can we not have rape be something that happens in game? And everyone was like, yeah, let's let's agree on that one. That seems like a pretty sort of standard thing to agree upon. But it, it goes to show you that there are tables where that is going to happen. And I, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm not saying it's right, but obviously this person had had some experience somewhere where that was, you know, a, a reality of their situation. And that to me was, you know, sort of like, wow, that's not fun in any way, shape or form. Right. But I also think that, you know, you guys talked about it first, you know? No, no, um, we did. Absolutely. Yes. And I, and I tend to use, you know, if I'm going to run a game that I feel is going to go down any path that's a little bit dark. I will sort of, you know, I have incorporated the X into my both home games and regular games and said, if we are doing something you don't like, just let me know. And we'll move on. Um, and I and I thought that was a great thing to sort of take away from that. And, you know, that, I, you know, I, I tend to use that now in my convention games and, and home games. So, yeah, if nothing else, you can say, if anything makes you uncomfortable at all, tell me and we'll discuss it. You know, it's to start yeah. off the game. Well, like I've heard one story about the X card, which didn't even involve anything this this heavy. It was about uh, smoking. The guy, the person, the player was quitting smoking, and somebody else had been describing a character, a really drawn out description, of taking that drag on the cigarette, and he's just like, "Hey, please." <laughs> just, yeah. I- <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and that, that's, I mean, that's, you know, what the X is for, and you don't necessarily know what someone's threshold's going to be, and it, not comparing it, but, you know, th- that situation, we can laugh about it, but, yeah, if that person didn't want to, they didn't want to talk about that right then. They were like, okay, or, you know, they don't want to talk about a certain football team or whatever. You know, that's, that's your right, because you're all there to sort of share in a shared sort of communal experience. Sure, but that's, I think it's also on not just the DM, but also the other players, uh, you know, to, to foster a group where people feel okay saying, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this, or you're making me very uncomfortable. And I do think we're all in agreement, certainly, about that. Whether or not you have an explicit conversation beforehand, or you have played with your players long enough that you know they feel comfortable coming to you, and you know what their general limitations and boundaries are you know what i mean um i i do think that that that's important it sounds like um you know when when you are at a con game it's more important to lay down those ground rules and when you're playing with people that you know uh very well it's it's very important to lay down those ground rules especially if you're going to have a session that is uh, a little different than your others you know i think it's good to out of respect for your friends and the people you're playing with to give that sort of warning of you know and it sounds like to me in this article lucy was upset enough that this was not a thing that was a regular occurrence in their game and not something that had been agreed upon or talked about um and i do think i think there are certain buzzwords and he talks about neckbeards and stuff but i also think that's sort of the vice brand um as well you know that that vice is very 
young sort of in its style and and has a point of view in its writing um and certainly like tracy pointed out this guy is part of the story um so uh you know i think i think there is a lot to to think about um but yeah. uh you know so so i do feel like we're we're in a good place i mean i again my major sort of criticism is i just wish it had been a little like less filled with uh, the the vice type buzzwords because i think it would have had a stronger impression it's you know when i see dnd represented on television and it's represented wrong i'm always like oh, you know they're not they're not helping the cause in any way shape or form so well the the dnd cause i agree with but i mean as far as spreading awareness that sexual harassment can happen in the most innocuous seeming situations it's it's definitely helping that cause. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm sure that you know this person has been compensated well, and I'm sure they've gotten lots of page views, and and that's great. And I'm glad that people are reading this and seeing like, wow, I didn't know that so few people, you know, so few women played D and D or that, you know, I mean, you know, Gary Gygax, if we recall, uh, or does everyone know first edition D and D? You know, there's you know you had you had caps on your stats if you were a woman, you know, so you know it was right there like in the game. And, you know, but that doesn't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't call Gary Gygax a gun nut because of that. It's just, it was, that's, that was the game that was written there. So I I think the other thing I would talk about is that, uh, so this one happens to talk about uh, sexual harassment and in-game rape, basically. Other things that can be kind of similar are, include pregnancy. Uh, That can be a very uh, sensitive topic for some people. So that that would be another one to also try to talk about beforehand. <laughs> I had pregnant women in one of my games once and got their consent, and it was a big. Yeah, and and uh, I, I used I used I used that a bit to um, draw out the kind of emotions in their characters in the game, and it was really powerful when it happened. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. And then other people, like I've heard stories of people who who were trying at the time and like. And like had a miscarriage, and then having a pregnancy in the game was just like too much for them. So it can all be very sensitive and and hard to know sometimes, even if you've been playing with the with people for a while. Uh, and also, another one I've heard of that's pretty sensitive is uh, killing children, mm. regardless of uh, the fantasy race. Sure, yeah, and I think you know, I think that all of all of that can be hard for people i think um you know like you said if smoking is hard for somebody just think about everything else uh you know i know that it it is a game where things get killed and sometimes uh you know suicide or depression or that sort of thing can also be a buzzword um or or topics that make people feel uncomfortable i i love the x actually guys uh thank you for introducing me to that i had never heard of that before so i think for con games especially that's a a good thing to bring up Um, yeah there's another tool too called i think lines and veils and that's also where you talk about it up front a bit more what's it called i think it's called lines and veils okay okay i i I thought you said lions like and i was like (laughs) It's like lions, what? So I didn't understand. Yeah, I, I mean, I have, uh, you know, in, in in my long campaign, you know, speaking of pregnancy, I, you know, the, the characters have sex, and you know, they're like, "You're not going to make me pregnant." I said, "I would never. Your character will never get pregnant unless you want your character to get pregnant." Like, that's, you know, I, I'm not. That's not. I, you know, we're here to 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 play and have fun. Like, you know, and it's not if that's, you know, and if if they were to say to me, 
maybe I'd like my care. Maybe I'd be okay if they got pregnant. You know, I would say, well, do you mean you want to, or that you'd be okay if it happened, but okay, if it didn't happen, I would sort of be very clear about the, that delineation. Um, but you're, the question about sort of the, the, the killing of children, even if they're monstrous, like, I don't, I don't know if we wanted to discuss that at all and what people, if people had any experiences with that. It was in the, I can't even remember the first of the dead and they adventure paths, the thing that set that into motion. Um, there, you know, you're going through a, a cave complex and there are orc children, um, you know, and uh, if if you've played the game sort of kick in the door style, you have uh, massacred all of the orcs in there. And then the orc children are just sort of left there. Um, and uh, that that can be in itself is is sad and kind of uh, hard to deal with, I think. Um, I just took the orc children out because I thought like, Hey, this isn't something I know this is something my players aren't going to want to deal with. Um, it's, it's going to be controversial for them and just make them feel uncomfortable and not have any fun. So I just put full grown orcs in. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that it's a, it's a thing that comes up and in some groups can maybe be an interesting story point and moral discussion, and in other parts, maybe it isn't. That's been my experience. Um, Tracy? Uh, so I haven't really done that much in my game, although there was one I played in where there were kids and old children, and we just let them live because we couldn't kill them. But I, I know from friends online talking about uh, particularly, um, I think, I want to say it was a game more like vampire or something like that, that this happened in, uh, they just couldn't take it. The, the description of kill of children being killed, their parents, they couldn't, they just thought of their kids instantly. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And that makes sense. Liz, what about you? Do you have any experience? Um, yeah, I mean, it can, it's a very visceral, visceral thing to think about. I, I, I have three kids. I don't think that I could do like a description of, I, I, I grew some description of that, but it's definitely been part of my games in the past. I like, I'm, I'm pretty sadistic DM on my, <laughs> on the characters. Um, and, um, I like very dark, very gritty, very terrible things to happen to the player characters. Um, because I think that creates, that's what, that's one of the biggest forces of tension and drama, but not in a, like a cake your face in the mud sort of way. Um, but, I love exploring those kind of really dark stories. You know, a mother whose child was, um, I, you know, a lot of my female gamers at my table, um, I can see a lot of recurring character concepts of like the vengeful mother or the mother hunting down a lost child, um, or the, the, the mother who ran away from their child or those kinds of things manifesting into character archetypes. And, um, so I do love exploring that sort of like um, mother vengeance um, as, a, as a theme in my games. And, but we talk about it beforehand, you know, like um, and a campaign I ran in January. I, it was all I, I rethemed basic expert D&D where all seven character classes were the different genders of an interstellar society. They all had different breeding and reproductive roles. So it was very themed on all this, but um, there was a lot of danger and attrition to like egg sacs on the, on the females. So like, it's, 
it got really brutal and it, it turned the, the kind of statistical attrition kind of a war into something very emotional because we were talking about basically exactly what we're talking about right now is like the loss of children or the loss of potential of life. And it was a very deep theme. So I don't think it's bad to, to explore those kind of things in a game. Sure. I think, you know, again, it sounds like you had the, the discussion. <laughs> you know what I do, uh, Barak? I re- I'm realizing talking about all this <laughs> is that while I don't do death of children, I am definitely one of my DM tropes is creepy ghost children and creepy zombie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm done. So, I'm out. I'm done. I do skeletons with eyeballs. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> oh. So, you know, and in a way, that's uh, undead children would be very similar to, to what's going on. Um, well, but you were uh, so you discussed you you brought up the sort of like the, the children orcs. Do the players kill them? Do they not kill them? Uh, like have, you know, like having a, a character who's a mother and having lost a child is different than going in and being the, the sort of the ones to kill the children. I don't know if people have sort of I mean, I, I've had experience with that um i tend to run very gray games in morality and and my I, my villains tend to be complex and and i i like to elicit sympathy for the bad guys that's 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 the dark path i like to go down so i mean uh, you know so you know you said you saw these you know the the orc children you were like nope i just don't even want to deal with that yeah with this group in particular i knew it was going to be something that would more or less upset them and the way the dungeon path um was built and we had already got into it i hadn't read far enough ahead um but but the way everything was built was you know uh like you were supposed to sort of get in there and get rid of the orcs you know um and so i do wonder if the author meant to put the children in there to raise like an interesting moral question um Dragon Spear Castle. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Dragon Spear Castle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but so uh, you know, and and so I wonder, like, yeah, maybe that was a thing, and and for a lot of groups that could have been like an interesting debate. But I knew with the group that I was playing with that like that would just be terrible for them, and I knew because. Earlier in the adventure, there had been more orc children, and when they had come across them, they were like, oh, we feel terrible. Like, this is the worst. We didn't want... Oh, man. Like, why wouldn't you hint to us that there were children in here, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, because I, you know, I thought, like, dramatic tension, and, and they were like, no, no. So, um, you know, so that is why I chose with that group to to keep them out. I have played with other groups who love the morally gray stuff and love debating with each other about like, is this guy evil? Is this guy not? What should we do? Sacrifice for the greater good. You know, would you kill one innocent person to save 10,000? All that, um, you know, which I think makes interesting story. And then for some other groups who just want to, you know, kill evil things and get treasure, that that's also, uh, D&D is also available for that. There are many ways of playing that are all valid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I agree with you completely. Um, you know, I'm just saying that, uh, and I think we we've definitely covered this. Um, it, it's important to, if you are going to go anywhere that you feel is controversial, make sure you have the conversation and make sure people feel okay saying, even if you have the conversation, they feel okay saying, ah, you know what, this got more intense than I thought or stirred up something in me I didn't think was good. So if we could move on, that would be great. 
Yeah, and uh, having the ability, I think, uh, the key ability, I think, is the ability to, to, to have an open discussion. Not that you always have, but that, you're, that the players and the game master, that they all know that they can talk to one another. So I have, I have a friend who, uh, in, in my home game, I, I tend to do fun theme things. So like around the holiday time, I'll do like a holiday-themed episode. And I was going to do like an April Fool's episode and have like the Joker-type character do something. And my one friend's like, don't you ever do that. And she had a very close friend of hers commit suicide on April Fool's Day. And it's a horrible holiday for her. And that's something that I wouldn't have known, but she knows me well enough to know, are you planning something for, for, you know, for April fools? Cause I, just so you know, that that's a trigger for me. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. know, so I just sort of moved on. And fortunately I didn't do it. And, but she, I mean, she's a good friend of mine. So we have an open discussion and she tells me what, you know, she likes and doesn't like, and this and that. And I, I frequently will ask my players like, Hey, did you enjoy the session? Is there something you want to see more of something you want to see less of? And, I, it's my hope that they would respond to me and let me know. And, you know, that's how you can get a good thing. I, my, my belief is that we're all here to have fun together. So let's have fun together. Like, you know, let's all put a little effort in and, and do something we all enjoy. Well said. Uh, does anybody have anything else they'd like to add? Well, and if you sense the tension coming, it's always a good time to take a bio break. And give. <laughs> and in case people are afraid of saying it in front of an entire table, uh, sometimes the conversations can happen uh, when people leave the table for a few minutes sure and if you have new players and know that it's a controversial topic like sex it's not a bad idea to bring it up before it happens if you've never talked about it before and you don't know the people well cool well guys thank you very much for for joining me on the round table today this was certainly uh, a more intense discussion than we normally have normally we're arguing about whether or not the warlock preview looks cool all right so guys where can people find you uh, tracy uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Dark Magic and at SarahDarkMagic.com. Cool. And Liz, where can people find you? You can uh, see me in various uh, Facebook groups online. Liz Larson. That's where I found her. And Barak, where can people find you? Uh, Axa Geek is probably the best place to find me. That's where I am most prevalent. Cool. And guys, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intracasso, or leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com, or you may reach out to these people in any of the ways they have expressed you may reach out to them. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world that I'm building. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. All right, thanks to everybody for listening, and thanks to Tracy, Liz, and Barak. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Keep on rolling, and keep on listening to the roundtable.